Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Trying to just grab all, grab all the bags, as the kids say. Is that how they say it? I don't know. Whatever. You're taking shots at the unathletic, arthritic, <laughs> old alligator? I can't find anything now. I'm a feeble old buffoon. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Silver Sevens is the site, Corona Cantina. We got the William Hill Racing Sportsbook across the way. You can bet the Lakers right now, minus six and a half against the Suns. That's a seven o'clock start. You can get down on the Golden Knights as well. Game seven is tomorrow. That's a minus 180 number with the Knights at home. In game seven at the Fortress. We'll get to that in a couple of minutes. Silver Sevens, our Thursday home. Uh, I also gave out poor information earlier. I should, I guess I should just ignore it. Maybe no one was paying attention. But uh, the big spaghetti day here is on Mondays. I said it was Tuesday. Noon to two, big spaghetti meal, just 377. Everything's about the sevens here at Silver Sevens. So that's on Mondays between noon and two if you're part of a play. Let's do it. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five, number five. Well, another goofy injury in the world of sports, Adam. Zach Plesak, Major League Baseball pitcher, did what? He aggressively ripped off his jersey. It's anger or celebration? Anger. And what happened? Uh, that's going to land him on the injured list. Oh, no. It is, I mean, have you have you been injured changing clothes ever? Um, ooh, I mean, it's embarrassing. I'd say at my fattest, there was, uh, there were, there could be a back problem or like a like a big injury now in baseball is the lat. Like I think I I, I saw like Corey Kniebel, who's not a fat guy. He's out. He's out with a lat. Uh, Dylan Batanz has been out with a lat issue for like months and months and months. Uh, So I don't know if I have lats, but I feel like I've tweaked things just like trying to put on my socks up my fattest. Sure. So that's Uh, not that's not a good injury. You you, you call up work. Sorry, I can't come in. My back is jacked up. How'd that happen? I was dressing. Well, it just sounds fake. I had a bend over. It, It sounds fake, which is why I usually believe like these really weird injuries. Like it's such a weird thing to make up. Now I do want to know. Well, but there have but there have been, I think what you're getting at. There have been injuries in the past where something was someone was doing something they shouldn't have been doing. They try to make it sound like it's an innocent injury, and it really wasn't. Sure, that's happened. But I mean, in, th- in this case in particular, like, I feel like you were aggressively ripping off your shirt is not would not be like a cover story. Like that's something that you actually had to have done to, to think of that and to make that up. Yeah. Um, he did. He broke his thumb. So it makes me think, like, how do you, how, unless, was, like, the ceiling lower than you thought and you went, well, you're going outward. Like, you're ripping the buttons. Right. I, that's that's mostly fingers. I'm what? thinking more pulling it over your head and, and like, maybe, twisted. well, maybe there's, like, something above you oh, or maybe there's, it? yeah, maybe you slam it into something as yeah. you, as you, as Terry Francona said, he was aggressively ripping off his shirt. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you could go side, maybe if you try to pull it, like, apart, pull the buttons apart. Your hand goes too quickly off. Have you, have you hurt wall? yourself slamming an appendage into something? Not. I mean, I don't mean like if you punch a wall, that's different. But like right. no, that's just mine. doing an activity and you like your arms. I actually 
Um, I did gash open my head one time cleaning the shower. Okay. I was cleaning the tub, and I stood up real hard, and I didn't realize there was a – well, I realized it, but I forgot there was a cabinet hanging over the one end of the shower, and I just dented my head. God, it was busted open. Bang your head like that. It hurts so bad. Oh, and that was the thing. It was, it was, it was too. It was like this crescent cut, just spurting blood, busted wide open like I was in a wrestling match, and I was like, oh, boy. Like, I feel a little woozy. Like, I powered my head into that thing. Yeah, that's that's never a good thing to happen. I mean, yeah, you you said if you hurt your appendage, like, bang something. I, I was thinking I, I broke a finger in high school uh, angrily punching a locker after a particularly poor football game. Yeah, that's a punch. But that's different. Yeah, there, there's, there could be the broken toe or the jam toe when you're walking around the house and you're not paying attention. You oh, slam it in a wall. How much does that hurt? Oh, it's the worst. Why does that hurt so bad? It ain't good. I've never figured that out. It ain't good. So the Zach Plesak injury, uh, when I saw it, the person who alerted me to it, of course, rolled in Marty Cordova. Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Famer, Bishop Gorman, legend, overall great guy. Oh, I forgot. Rookie of the year in the American League sure. in 1995. But somehow that's forgotten. And when the Plesak story was retweeted by someone, they're like, here we go, Marty Cordova, you know, stupid injury. Of the week, uh, Marty will forever be remembered as the guy who was out because he got a bad burn in a tanning bed. Now, he told us that wasn't exactly what happened. Now, do I remember exactly what his explanation was? I don't. No. But when I saw someone mocking on Marty, I was like, come on, man. You let the guy, let it go with this guy. Well, I always think of, I mean, yes, of course. And Marty, if you're listening now, I got your back. But, I mean, yeah, it's it's these radio pukes. We don't want to let it go. And was it Peter Schmuck was the writer? I think that was the writer. That's a good memory if I remember sure, that. Sure, you're, you're, you've got me on that one. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty recognizable name, if, and Marty does not like him. The one I always think of is Glenn Allen Hill. What was that? I believe, I, maybe I'm just completely misremembering, I believe that he was having a nightmare that spiders were attacking him, and he ran out of bed still sleeping and, like, ran through a window? Ah, oh, that's right. Like, I think it was – listen, could I be totally wrong about this? Yes. But I, I think I remember that being the case. I think it was, like, an imaginary spider attack that got him, which is awful to, re- be, re- to be remembered for. Number four. Sorry, I was just reading old Marty headlight, uh, headlights. Headlines. Rookie of the year in Minnesota, burnt to a crisp in Baltimore. That's pretty creative. I mean, that's not that much different than Antonio Brown, right? Freezing freezing the feet? Well, if it actually happened, Marty says it didn't happen that way. True. Antonio Brown tried to lie about it at first, but then he got caught. (laughs) Yes. Hmm. I'm thrown off. Number four. Speaking of accidents, a little more serious, a lot more serious, like pulverized leg, broken in lots of places, not good for Tiger Woods. Speaking on the pain of the injury, actually would not confirm, deny his future in golf. Yeah, he did his first real, you know, kind of in-depth interview. Uh, I guess it wasn't too in-depth, but um, he talked about the pain and everything that's going through and uh, just kind of the nightmare of trying to recover. Um, said it was entirely different animal than any any injuries had before. Um he said, I understood more of the rehab process because of his past injuries, uh, but this was more painful than anything I've ever experienced. 
at some point, uh, the writer for ESPN asked him, what about playing? Like, are you working towards playing again? And there was essentially a no comment. Like, he's not addressing it. Now, I don't know if this is he just can't see that far down the road yet and doesn't want to talk about it, doesn't want to commit himself to anything. Or, you know, maybe he's maybe he's just not ready mentally to talk about it. I don't know. I don't know what his what the end game would be to not discuss whether or not you've thought about playing golf again or are working toward it. But, um, you know, clearly is not one of these cases where, you know, somebody is somebody is like overly insistent. Like I will, I'm not, I'm vowing to be back. Like he's not at that point yet, whether that's just publicly or, uh, whether he'd also say that privately, I'm not sure, but, um, clearly he's still trying to deal with, uh, everything that comes with trying to recover from this, you know, pretty awful injury that he had in that accident. Number three, speaking of golf, celebrity golf and pro golfers, another match is coming up July 6th. You know, that's where they have big-time golfers like Tiger and Phil with other athletes, non-golfers. Phil, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Big Bryce. Bryson DeChambeau going to be going at it. TNT televising July 6th in Montana. Are you in? Well, I'm not going to Montana. Okay. Are you in on TV? There could be a lot of trash talk here. Well, yeah, I mean, I, like so Brady don't, and, don't you think Brady is going to just rake Rodgers over the coals? Like, if nothing's settled with the Packers, don't you think he'll just be busting his chops? Sure, but I also, I mean, he's already kind of started. You know, he's throwing some memes out there. He threw a bunch of uh, DeChambeau and uh, Brooks Kepka memes together hmm. and labeled them with, you know, Aaron Rodgers' uh, thoughts. <laughs> so, I mean, he's starting a little bit already. But I don't know how I don't know how much we'll get there, and I also I'm interested in that and that interaction and how that's going to play out. But I hate both Mickelson and DeChambeau so much that I don't know that I can enjoy this at all. Why do you hate DeChambeau? Uh, Is it he's a golfing hero? To who? To anyone who likes? I don't like the the thing. out the golf outlier who's. Lifting weights poorly and you know has put on sixty pounds and just wants to murder the ball. He's yeah. the in shape Patrick Reed. I don't. I mean, if he let himself be the out of shape Patrick Reed, I would be fine with it. I, by the way, I think this is a long term deal that Phil has with the match. I think he signed like a five match deal. What would it cost to pay him to step aside and get Kepka in this? It'd be great. I would. I mean, Why are we doing that? Hopefully, Phil gets hurt. Not seriously, but just so we can't play in this tournament. Hopefully, there's a lat issue. I would love that, or a sun, or a, or a tanning bed issue. I mean, they're going back and forth on social media. If he'd only ripped off his shirt of the PGA and maybe hurt his finger a little bit, or seen imaginary spiders, right? Or stayed too long in a tanning bed. I already hit the tanning bed, but that's yeah. that's fine. Yeah. Uh, you also you don't believe that DeChambeau and Kepka is entirely real. You think it's a work? I mean, I'm still trying to figure it out. They. they you know, obviously the the video came out. It was very entertaining. I loved it, like everybody else did. It was great, and I was all into it. But now that they're kind of going back and forth on social media, there's there's kind of two schools of thought. Like one is that you know maybe 
maybe it was a work and maybe that they are you know they're doing this to try to follow up to try to increase you know interest and try to build their brands a little bit on each other and that it was a work from the beginning um a lot of people are going with that one i'm not necessarily going with that but i'm i'm open to hearing that argument like the other possibility is that it happened they're not going to run from it they're going to go back and forth now on social media and kind of make jokes about it because listen they have to play together at some point they've got to be on the same course all the time like there's no sense ignoring it and just letting it fester and be angry about it and they're trying to you know kind of build that relationship back because they have to be around each other like i don't know which one it is whether it's fake or whether it's just kind of you know addressing this so that they don't have to be tense around each other i'm not sure hopefully it's that one and not that it was fake from the beginning and that this was all just a work number two uh theme of the night last night in the nba should have been some pretty intense and entertaining games especially knicks and atlanta but by the end of the night, it was about the fans, and especially in Philadelphia, where a fan decided to dump popcorn all over Russell Westbrook. He flipped out, was trying to you know get at the fan, but it was, you know they were they were so far away. Uh, and afterwards, he had a lot of choice words. Uh, Westbrook has been through this before, and he's completely fed up. To me, it happens to me a lot of times, and you know obviously I've, I've learned to kind of look the other way. But after a certain extent, you can't just keep looking the other way. Uh, there has to be some penalties or something to put in place where fans can't just come to the games and do and say as they please because they wouldn't do that anywhere else any other setting and I'm sick and tired of it honestly so what can we put in place I mean you're seeing people banned for life but so what it doesn't seem to be working I mean you if you really think that legal action is a deterrent which you know that's been the argument that's made a lot of in a lot of cases in death penalty cases hey it's a deterrent i've never really seen that it's a deterrent i don't think anybody in the moment is thinking about penalties but if you do believe that legal ramifications are deterrents let's go get some of these people let's let's throw this guy in prison for a while like i i would i would not necessarily be opposed to that as crazy as it might sound to people that is assault it's a very public forum like you're doing it in front of a lot of people it's clear that you're guilty I wouldn't have a huge problem with doing that, especially if you do think it's going to work, and maybe it would work. Again, I don't know that it would. I don't know that this guy, say like four fans have been thrown in jail for doing things to players. Does this guy last night in whatever state of mind he was in at the game think twice about pouring popcorn down on him? I don't know, but I, I'm willing to try. Yeah, Westbrook says uh, you know, he's trying to be understanding. He, you know, Sports is sports. There's going to be some trash, uh, trash talk, but come on. I don't mind the trash talk of, you know, whether it's Westbrook suck, Westbrook you can't shoot, Westbrook you can't do that. That's all great. But once you cross the line, you start mentioning families, you start mentioning derogatory things, you start to pour popcorn and all that type of shit. Like, to me, it's crossing the line, and that's where it has to stop. Like, the sports and, the, you know, everybody loves the sport and, oh, you know, screaming, and that's all great. Keep it sports. I'm okay with that. What do you do? You go after the club? You go after the home club? Hey, you got to police your arena. Massive, massive fines? Technical fouls? No, I mean, like massive fines. I mean, maybe, but... Police your arena. Hire more security. Here's a half a million dollar fine. Someone someone throws something at a player? That's a million dollar fine. Well, sure. I I mean, I I I wouldn't be opposed to that either. Like, I'm willing to try whatever it takes to get people to stop doing nonsense like this. 
But I think on some level, like it seemed like there was a lot of security. They saw the guy immediately. They found him. They got him. He's banned for life, and now there's potentially legal ramifications for him. But um, I don't necessarily think it's a lack of security. Like, are they at fault for selling popcorn? Like, I, I don't know. They seem to can have. You imagine if we got to. It. I mean, they're never going to cut down concessions. Can we? Imagine like we have to anything you can throw, we can't sell to you to eat. But that's everything. Literally, you could throw everything. Like you shouldn't have nachos well, there, do, hot cheese, and whipping it on someone. They do hot and candy. They do certain. They do certain things like, you know, they won't sell bottles, even plastic bottles, yeah. at a game. And in fact, uh, I believe at T-Mobile. Now I, I could be wrong. It's been a while since there was actually things you could attend. Uh, but I believe they will sell you a bottle and like take the top off of it. So like if you buy a bottle of water like you have in front of you right now, the concession stand will take the top off the bottle of water because with the top on it's a much more dangerous projectile. I never even thought of that. Yeah. That's why they do it. Now that's one that's a little bit of solution there. Do you say no like popcorn is easy to pour? So if if you're on a level if you're sitting in a oh section God. that has access to a ramp. Yep. No popcorn. Like, I don't know. I, listen, I ticket. don't know. Let's see what you can buy. Let's uh, see what you qualify to buy. I mean, I, I have no idea what the actual. So then all the fans pay a penalty because of a couple of jackasses who want to throw stuff. Sure. Well, if, if you start finding teams, that's going to happen, too. Like, they're going to do things to, to, to oh, punish yeah. everybody because they're going to make sure that this doesn't happen because they don't want to pay a fine. Uh, so it, it's going to affect everybody no matter what. Like, I don't know what the proper solution is. Something needs to be done. But at the, at the same time, like, the, the, maybe the solution is just act right. Number one. Which brings us to what well, was a fun time. The chants were kind of cool. Then they got super vulgar. Trey Young against the Knicks fans. They were out of control, and then some idiot spits at him. Which Young doesn't want to press charges over the incident. He probably should. I would. He probably should. The cops have looked into it. You know, you could trump it up even more with COVID times. Because we, we've seen, we saw very public spats during the height of, you know, the COVID period where idiots were walking up to people because they were all mad about the masking stuff and <laughs> coughing yeah. on people. It's like, hey, that's, we're charging you with a crime. You're that's the, dangerous. You're the height of despicable at that point. You know what I would do if I was, if I was Trey Young? I would ask this fan to see the vaccination card. <laughs> Let me see it. And if they said no, they're not vaccinated, or no, they, they won't you go after him. I'm, I'm pressing charges then. You know, uh, 50 Cent was right there. That his, the lady he was with almost got nailed by the spit. It wasn't Chelsea Handler? They're done. They're, they're not a thing anymore. Just, it, I don't know why that couple still makes me laugh for some reason. Again, though, same thing. Trey Young gets an apology from the folks at the Garden and the Knicks, and uh, the fan is now banned from the Garden immediately. What does that do? Best you know fans, what I would, you best know, basketball. You know what I would love to see? I'd love to see a case, and we'll have to get one of our legal guys on this one. I would love to see a case, uh, as an example, at Allegiant, right? If there was a case like this, and you're like, you are banned from Allegiant for life, and we keep your PSL money. Wow. I don't think it would be legal right now. Yeah, I don't know either. Imagine if that was written into the contract. Like you pay, you know, because you, I you pay fifteen. I don't know what the price was, you know, real close to the field, but you know, you pay thirty five thousand dollars a seat for four seats. You throw out one hundred forty thousand dollars, 
and you're banned in year two, and they're like, yeah, we get the PSL money too, and we get to resell the PSLs. Maybe tonight I'm going to go look through Code some, of conduct. Some, of the, some of those agreements. I'm, I bet you it is in there somewhere. You think? I mean, there definitely is a repercussion that your tickets could be taken away. So wouldn't you have to address, if there, if all the tickets are attached to PSLs, wouldn't you have to address the PSL situation if you Man. address the revocation of tickets? That would scare the blank out of me if I had the tickets and I paid a lot for the PSLs and I could lose all my money and I'm reselling my tickets here and there so the people who are in the seats could then screw me over. Wow. Right? You're just selling it on well, also, whatever ticket reseller you know what? site and you know Joe Dirtbag from Philly comes in. And acts like an idiot and gets banned for life. And they're like, yeah, your seats are gone. So, so is the PSL money. As I think about it, I'm sure if that wasn't there, somebody would really fight it already. Or maybe somebody should because that would open the door if that was the case. If they could ban you for life and then take your PSL money, that would open the door to like banning people for life for no reason and then reselling those tickets. So if a team did have something like that, as much as I want to police awful fan behavior... If a team did something like that, I'd be like, yeah, that's not that's not the power that should be with the teams. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver Sevens with Cofield and Company. I wonder how many fans out there are listening to us talk about the NBA fan behavior last night with Trey Young being uh, spat upon and popcorn being thrown at Westbrook, and they're like, what's the big deal? Many. Fan, fans should be able to do that. 364-1100-364-1100. Cops were looking into the spitting incident, but Trey Young said he's not going to press charges. Uh, I don't know if anyone – I wonder if any of the fans around the spitter would be like, yeah, I got spat upon, so, yeah, go after him. I'll do it. Uh, interesting – from the timing department, you know, Westbrook had that highly publicized confrontation with a fan in Utah where he thought the guy in Utah made some kind of reference to getting down on his knees and, you know, performing some kind of act like he used to. And that guy, Shane Kiesel, don't mind mentioning his name, was branded a racist and a homophobe. You know, he brought a $100 million suit, defamation suit, at Westbrook. And it just got dismissed. And we'll, we'll talk about this a lot more on our uh, legal podcast tonight. We do that at 9 o'clock on Thursday nights. We'll get into it more. But the judge actually had a lot of things to say about this case. Um, basically saying that, uh, you know, a, a claim that you are racist is not necessarily defamatory. Um, in this case, this fan says that Westbrook painted him as a racist homophobe, causing him to lose his job receive death threats, and be banned from Utah Jazz games for life. The judge said that whether a statement or a person is racist is a matter of opinion and cannot be proven true or false. Therefore, if Westbrook called the fan racist or inferred it, it would not be defamatory. That is, so. I, I mean, that is that does get into some subtleties of law, that sh, which are, you know, very intriguing. It's why... It's why law school takes so long. Why, why lawyers get the big bucks? Uh, but yeah, that, that's because usually, like what we say about these cases, is truth is the ultimate defense. But in this, like, it's tough to prove what somebody's heart says. Yeah. And here's the thing: Amy Dash, who's a legal analyst, uh, says, you know, this case is a great reminder for fans to be careful when they try to talk trash with an athlete because 
personal and professional consequences could follow. Like there are consequences for your actions. And now that uh, there are many more cameras, you know, broadcasting the game, there are people in the crowd with cameras. If you want to act like an idiot at a game, then yeah, you may lose your livelihood. You may be doxxed. There, there's more than a, you, you don't just get to scurry off. And there's more of a penalty than just losing, you know, in the case of the Knicks fan, they've lost their season tickets. It could be a lot worse. Like this guy in Utah, he says uh, he lost a chance to go to, you know, some kind of helicopter training program. He lost his job. Well, then how about just sit there and cheer and boo at the game (laughs) and not be yelling stuff? Act like a decent human being. It's good advice. It's tough for people to follow it. Like somehow it's really tough. And I don't know why it is that difficult for people, but we find out more and more and constantly you get reminded that it is difficult for some. we got a Game 7 tomorrow with the Golden Knights on the way back. We'll set you up for Game 7, who's going to be in goal, and also uh, who's going to be on the roster because now the Knights have three players in COVID protocol. Anytime the Golden Knights are on TV, watch the game at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s and grab your 77-cent Bud Light bottles. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s, it's Cofield and Company. Adam, so we've got uh, three Golden Knights now on the COVID list? Yes. Peyton Krebs, Braden McNabb, Ryan Reeves. And that's why Reeves didn't play last night. He wasn't a healthy scratch? I mean, I don't know. He wasn't on the list at the time. They said Pete DeBoer said they were awaiting results, which I assume meant some sort of injury result. Apparently, it was COVID results. Um, again, I'm not on all the Golden Knights calls. I'm following up later because I'm on all the all the wild uh, stuff. Uh, but yeah, it was it was obviously a weird situation last night and the last couple of days uh, with you know was Ryan Reeves a lineup decision? Was it an injury? Uh, now it looks like he was on the COVID list, but was that part of him not playing or did he not play? And then he just coincidentally got added to the COVID list. I don't know. I'm not sure exactly where that was. Last two shows, you've been getting on Flurry a little more than most people. Well, about, about the previous game and then last night. Yeah, game. I don't think last night's game was on Flurry. Okay. The second goal, I mean, it wasn't great. Well, I think I think what irks you is that people keep throwing it out there, like what you know, can't blame it on Flurry. Can't blame anything on Flurry. Yeah. Well. I mean, there, the, the problem is, in this series, like you do have to stand on your freaking head, and three goals is just too much. And I, that's, I mean, that's being overly critical, but again, we go back to what I said yesterday. I would have started Leonard because you had this rotation system that was working. Both were well-rested. Both were certainly motivated, and you kind of took that out of the mix by going five straight with Flurry, and then he was not going to make the decision. DeBoer was not going to take the risk. No. Because you don't want to hear it afterwards. But, but, frankly, today, what's the difference? I actually think you might be feeling better. You're like, well, Flurry's back in after Leonard couldn't get it done. All right, we'll get game seven done. Well, I, I think it's, I think the same thing that applies, in my mind, to game seven would have applied to game six. I think you could you could have justified it, I think, easier in game six than you could in game seven. Uh, you could just say, hey, listen, it wasn't, you know, game five wasn't his best effort. Maybe he's getting a little tired. Rotation worked all year. We're going back to Leonard. And then we have Flurry for Game Seven, if you know, if need be. Um, if it's for Game Seven, I do think there would have been a little bit. It's in Game Six too. Like it just looks desperate, and and who cares how it looks to the outside? 
but I don't think you want to send a desperate signal to your team. I don't think you want to tell the players like, well, we got to do something. We don't know what's going on here. We got to do something. Let's change the goaltender. Like, and I, I think there, it, there would be a little bit of that feeling if you would have made that move. And listen, I've been, as I said, I, I've, I've been an advocate for Leonard playing a lot more from, from the beginning. Uh, but I think in this case, like you made your decision, this is where you're at now. And I think switching in game seven, when a guy hasn't played in two weeks, you're putting a rusty goaltender in there for a game seven to try to what spark your team when flurry hasn't been the problem apart for one game. Like, I, I don't know if you can, if you can justify that move. And I think you do have to, you know, you don't have to over explain every single move you make to your team, but I think you have to have a, have a reason for your team. And, and, and I think it would be tough to just say, like, well, we're just going to try something here. Uh, that doesn't fly. So I think, I think you've, you know, you've made your decision, and I don't think you can change. No, this is it. No, no, he's the guy. They're not changing now. Yeah. But you're saying they should have a game six. Yes, yeah. They should have put Leonard out there game six. And if, you know, if people are like, well, why didn't you say that? I did. Yeah. I did. I said it yesterday. Again, not not the not the the, the biggest factor. Uh, the biggest factor is the fact that they're not getting good opportunities. And after a game where they got what thirty nine shots and twenty two in one period, last night was really difficult. Yeah, there were not, you know, like I said earlier, I thought there were some really dangerous opportunities. About fifteen minutes on uh, on down to ten in the middle of the second period, uh, Wild recovered, and then from there the Knights had nothing like not a lot of high danger opportunities down the stretch. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I think that's absolutely true, and that, and that's why, like, there's no nobody suggesting that Flurry was the problem yesterday. Again, he 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 had a shutout going until a ridiculous goal by Minnesota, and when I say ridiculous, I mean just really, really that's perfect, really, really pretty pass. They they kind of got kind of got fortunate with a nice bounce to get the two on one going, but Fiala put a perfect pass on the stick of Hartman right in front. Flurry had. Little chance. I mean, there's a chance he could have got there. He got there. He just it was, his glove was in the same place. That goal is not on him by any stretch, and so it's not his fault that they lost. But you know, I think that was the game that you make that move, and then you have this inspirational like, okay, well, Leonard, you know, however he played last night, we'll we'll see how it goes. But now you've got Flurry to, to come back in, like, all right, go back to Flurry, game seven at home, like, let's go get it. But now it's just you're you're in a spot where you kind of have to change something, but you don't want to change anything that dramatic. It's a weird spot for them to be in right now. Erickson Eck. That's a name. Erickson Eck last night looked like he destroyed his left leg. Yeah. Right back out there. Looks like he'll be okay. Get back out. Yeah. He's he's fine. He's all good to go for he's game tough. seven. He's a hockey player. He'll, yeah, he'll be he'll be good. And I, I think one of the one of the things the Golden Knights have to deal with now is there was a building frustration from some of the wild players, some of their top line guys, some of the guys that, uh, not necessarily top line by the you know the top line of the team, but some of their 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 better players, their higher scores, had been really shut down in this series. I mean, Fiala was one of them. He didn't have a point. He generated a lot of chances, a lot of high danger chances. Never got a point. No assist. No goal. Finally got an assist, and then right away got a goal right after that on that power play. Uh, you know, Hartman had been pretty frustrated. I think he had one goal, but hadn't done a whole lot. He gets that goal. I think that builds confidence. I, I think you allowed, if if there was, 
something worse than just allowing game seven or losing the game. I think the fact that you allowed them to get some some confidence and you know just belief in themselves that they can actually score that they they don't they didn't forget where the net was like that that's got to be a concern for the Knights that the that the Wild have a little bit of confidence now. Coming back, we'll get you an update on the uh, latest with the A's meetings around Las Vegas. Uh, we had um, well, we we've got people in Oakland who hate us, so we've got uh, Jana on Twitter. I got to read you. Uh, that one again, she says we're going to be apocalyptic in 10 years and climate change is going to destroy Las Vegas. Uh, Mayor Goodman is very positive about the meetings, and then some clown from Portland is saying that uh, we would be a crappy major league sports city. Really? Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. Cofield & Company presents... Hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. Grab bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Can I start? That was that was like the craziest break ever because we had so many things to get to in the grab bag. And I, I was saying, Ari, right before the break, I mentioned what we were going to talk about. And then I was like, man, I'm going to forget because you brought up a bunch of stories. So, guys, start. Um, you know I have concerns about your new quarterback? Yeah, Zach Wilson? Yeah, mostly that he looked awkward and uncomfortable hanging around, like, non-whites at the draft. And I feel like in the NFL, you know, you, you need to be a little bit more comfortable in a group setting with, you know, diverse backgrounds. Right. It's going to be a different world for Zach Wilson. Well, it's a I di- get it. It is a different world. He's already struggling a little bit, Steve. Driver's a little bit too aggressive on the East Coast. Oh, no. He's... He's not handle, he is not handling this. How do you know? How do you know? He said it. Oh, okay. He said he's uh, right. He said there's definitely some aggressive drivers here in New Jersey. Uh, I've been getting cut off everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> he's a he's a child. He's that twelve is, years old. That is so awesome. It's amazing. Wow. He is. It's it's his business there. <laughs> He is in real trouble. This is this experiment is not going to go well because uh, he can't because he can't keep up with the competitive driving, the he's, aggressive driving in the Northeast. He's just scared. He needs to go back into his shell. Poor guy. There's no turning back now. <laughs> Sorry, Zach. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Yeah, no shocker that there was a Philly fan incident last night, a New York Knicks fan incident last night, and now we find out there was a Utah Jazz fans incident last night so what happened so apparently there was some fans ejected from the game the utah jazz had put out a statement uh, about the uh, you know unacceptable behavior of some fans uh, they weren't specific about what they were talking about but there are some reports now including from one of the beat writers uh, that covers the jazz uh, also some of the national media now starting to report on it uh, that John Morant's family was verbally assaulted at the game. Uh, there was a thread, which was actually kind of fun. Uh, there were some fans that were sitting next to John Morant's dad, and were talking about how fun he was, how great he was. Uh, they said he was he was very he was very into cheering for his son, but that he was a very nice guy, and that they ended up buying him a round of beers. Oh wow! Uh, because they were like, okay, well, this is you know for you to go into the Hornets' nest like this was very cool of you, and they said. Uh, that John Moran's dad then bought them the next round. Uh, they were just talking last night during the game. They were like, what, so what it, the hell happened? Apparently at some point, uh, some people figured out who it was and started going after him, and who knows what was said or what was done, but 
Uh, we, we have seen incidents at Jazz games before, pretty much every team, but uh, we know that there is a history there. And John Morant's dad, according, again, we don't know. We haven't seen this. We haven't seen video. We don't know. Uh, but the Jazz have said the three fans were removed indefinitely from the arena. Uh, they weren't specific about the incident, but, again, reports are that it was John Morant's family that was verbally assaulted. And you will cover for the Utah crowd by saying we see these incidents pretty much everywhere? Well, it's just because I, I stopped myself because I said, yeah, we've seen it with Jazz fans before, and I was like, yeah, in Philly and Boston and the Garden. and oh, okay, well, though, though, okay, well, those are four that get mentioned a lot. Sure. Especially three, Boston, Philly, and it seems like the outlier, but we know, and I say it all the time, you know, Nevada and Utah, good versus evil, we're good. True. We've seen a lot of incidents with Jazz fans. You know, we, we Rick Buecher had to apologize for kind of telling the truth, you know, a few years ago when he was like, yeah, you know, the fans come out and they, they just don't know how to behave in Utah. Like they, I guess they, they're just not accustomed to what they're seeing. BYU fans yeah. too yeah. at times. I've, I've been up there for some of those games. Right? They're interesting. They think it's a land of make-believe and you can just scream stuff at people and it's like, no, it's not the way it works. Yeah. And, and yeah, as you said, there was this, you already mentioned the story earlier today. Was, this was the day that uh, the lawsuit against, <laughs> against Russell Westbrook by yeah. a fan yeah. was dismissed. Um, a fan acted like a jackass at the game. Westbrook thought he said something. The fan then got doxxed and labeled a racist homophobe, and then he tried to sue Westbrook for being labeled. Like, right. You did it to yourself. Yeah. You know, you know people have cameras. You know there are cameras in the arena. If you want to yell and scream, then you're taking a risk. You, then you could become a public figure. And we've seen it happen time and time again. You know, going back to, I mean, we've got, we still have Karens all over the place. The, Hell, we got the, we got the Central Park Karen, the bird watching lady who flipped out and you saw her lying on video about an African American man. You know, she's saying that he was, you know, basically, you know, putting her in danger. And he's just like, what, what are you talking about? I'm not doing anything. I'm talking to you. She went up, she's, she's right now involved in suing her company for firing her. Yeah. Saying that it was, uh, you know, basically she should be a protected class and, She's been wronged. You were uh, as a white woman. She's been wronged. I'm sure you saw it because it was on TikTok. But I saw uh, I saw it this morning. Uh, there was a crazy airport Karen yesterday. I you know what? I started to watch it. I couldn't. Well, I don't even know what she was yelling about. Well, she she was screaming that they had knocked her down. Like the police, the airport police had knocked her to the ground. And she's like, everyone saw it. You saw them knock me to the ground. And the, some guy just everybody's ignoring it. And then some guy goes, what we saw was you going where you're not supposed to go, and them stopping you. And she's like, what? Like, yeah, that's what we saw. Yeah. Lady. <laughs> All right. Well, Mayor Goodman today, as we close things out, uh, talked about real briefly her meeting with the A's. She she said we had a great discussion with the A's management. Look forward to future talks with the team to showcase the advantages of moving to Southern Nevada. There was an interesting comment out of left field from a Portland planner and architect, Barry Smith, told a paper that a move to Vegas for the A's wouldn't be in the best interest as the city would distract the organization and players from achieving the ultimate goal, oh, winning trophies. Stop. You put baseball players in Vegas for 81 home games, they won't be focused. Okay. Translation, our city sucks. Come here. Nothing will distract you. We're no fun. <laughs>